Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Back and better than ever, Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. What a day to be alive and to love sports. Fantastic finishes, monster trades, milestones no one cares about, and a whole lot more on the menu. No time to waste. Let's go. Here we go. Only one place to start. Durant, left to right, lost the handle. Turnover, Brooklyn. Six turnovers for Kevin Durant. Your defense, JT, was unbelievable. You made Kevin and Kyrie work so hard. You know, those are two of the best scores in the world. Our goal is just to can't give them no easy looks, make them feel comfortable. This is going to be a long night. The calls last night here on ESPN Radio, the conversation in the studio, the Greenbergs have finally taken over. (laughs) My uncle Seth, Seth Greenberg, no relation, here with the Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise after a fascinating night all the way around in the NBA. The Celtics' defense stifles Kevin Durant and KD. The Bucks suffer a significant injury. They lose in more ways than one against the Bulls last night. And Joel Embiid makes a shot for the ages. We'll cover it all here with my Uncle Seth. And Seth, let, let's start with Brooklyn and Boston. That we've had, I just had the countdown guys with me for a half hour on Get Up, and we had a, a pretty interesting little debate, if you will. What we are seeing right now in that series between the Nets and the Celtics, are we seeing unimaginably great defense by the Celtics that is unprecedentedly brilliantly coached and, and, and has the perfect players to do it? Are we seeing something defensively that is just unique and special? Or are we seeing Kevin Durant just not playing well in consecutive games, in fact, playing as badly in consecutive games as he ever has in his career? He missed some shots he normally makes, but we're seeing a unique set of athletes Long, athletic, tough, and physical, and an incredible scheme to take away the other team's best two players. Because it's not just Kevin Durant. It's also Kyrie Irving. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about them. They were one for 17 in the second half combined. And I understand that you know, Durant got to the line. But what the Celtics are doing defensively, with their size and with their length, but with their scheme, is taking Durant out of the game. And then you put on top of that the lack of offensive scheme for the Nets and all of a sudden you're taking these guys out of the game. So what are they doing? Greeny, what they're doing is they're invading his, his neutral space. They're getting up underneath him. They're adding a second defender or a second set of eyes on him. They're taking him out of any rhythm. They're being extremely physical with him, and the Nets have had no counter for that. So what is the counter for that? If, there's, if this is a game of chess, there is the move and there's the counter move, and there have been a lot of questions, candidly, this year about just how much coaching Steve Nash is really doing, just how much coaching... Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are interested in having. Um, but when you watch how stagnant that offense looks, it's just, okay, who's going to ISO on this possession, KD or Kyrie? And it's obviously not working, and their backs are against the wall. Is there a move to be made here? Well, not if you're going to play isolation basketball. Not if you're going to put the ball in one guy's hands and then play off a of space and hope that he draws two and then play out of that because it's real simple. When you know where the offensive pieces are, the, the chess pieces are, then you know where your help is going to come from. And then you know exactly how you're going to give your help, take the ball out of Durant's hands, or force him to make a hard play, and Kyrie Irving's hands. They've got to move the ball and move people. They've got to look less like the Nets and more like the Golden State Warriors. They're not going to become the Golden State Warriors, but they've got to move people. They've got to create double gaps. They've got to back cut. Like early in the game, in the first quarter, the Nets' ball movement was good. They got other people involved. Bruce Brown was involved. But how did he get involved? Not by standing still, not by playing off penetration, but by actually moving and cutting and getting the ball reversed. 
If you don't move the ball and move people, the defense is set. They're going to take the ball out of Kyrie's hands. They're going to take the ball out of Durant's hands. They've got the size and athleticism to do that, but they also have the scheme to do that. Greeny and Greeny, my Uncle Seth Greenberg in studio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Save on commercial auto insurance from Progressive. Get a fast quote at ProgressiveCommercial.com. Let me go to Milwaukee last night where – not only do the defending champs lose a game and a brilliant performance from uh, DeMar DeRozan, who had 41, but they also lose their second most important player. Chris Middleton, you said it this morning, he is the Robin to Giannis's Batman. When, when they have their big three healthy Oof. and together, Giannis and Middleton and Drew Holiday, they're basically unbeatable. When they only have two of them, they're a 500 team. And they're going to only have two of them for the rest of this series at minimum. Wendy said this morning that the injury he has is usually a two- to four-week injury. That takes us through this. The next two games are tomorrow and Sunday in Chicago. Can the Bulls win this series? Yeah, they can win the series. And you saw what DeMar DeRozan did. That's that's who DeMar DeRozan is. The middle game is alive and well in Chicago in his hands Mm -hmm. and how he plays. Uh, More importantly, I look at Chris Middleton, lead defender, can rebound his position, Think about the championship they won and think about the games he won for them last year. Think about the third quarter and the way he started that third quarter. They miss his ability to create, miss ability to make shots, miss ability to defend, miss ability to make plays. They don't have anyone to replace him. Holiday's going to do what he does. Can Pat Condon help a little bit in that area? Can Lopez, who's a little bit healthier, play maybe better than people expected, help in that area? But that's a hard piece to replace uh, because he brings so many other things and intangibles to that lineup against a Bulls team that does have pieces. They do have athleticism. They do create easy baskets. They do create mismatches. They do play with spacing. So I think that Chicago is poised without Middleton to win the series. That would really be remarkable. They just go right down 94 from yeah. Milwaukee to Ooh. Chicago to play. I mean, these teams are, are like an hour and a half apart yeah. um, and and fascinating. And so, look, if you I had the, the countdown guy saying, you know, I think it was Stephen A. who said, you know, Giannis is supposed to now put the team on his back and get them through a series. They're supposed to win and then see what happens with Boston, assuming they get there or the Nets. And and I, I would say, and again, I have a lot of connections in Chicago, including my yeah. wife and all the rest of it. And so we've got a lot of Bulls rooting going on right now. You know, not so fast. I this agree. is a team that all you I know they didn't beat anybody good all season yep. long. But you take Middleton off of the Bucks, they become a 500 team. They are no longer the elite team. And they are a 500 team that, that has a piece that does so many different things. Like, if he was just a, a jump shooter, it's one thing. But he can defend. He rebounds his position. Uh, he's got a toughness. He's got a maturity. He's got an experience. He can complement the other pieces to the puzzle. You can't just take a piece away and say, all right, Giannis is just going to do more. How much more can Giannis do? Mm. And it makes it easier to defend Giannis because, you know, there's only so much space. Now, Pat Connaughton, can he get on a run? Sure, he can get on a run. But where else are you going? That's the question, especially if Bobby Portis is out. Because Bobby Bobby Portis is another guy they played with that yesterday. That energy he brings, uh, if you're void of that and void of Middleton playing in Chicago, that's going to be a hard game to win. Really interesting development there. And obviously, you never want to see anybody get hurt. So awful for the Bucs in that situation. Now let's get to Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. What do we say about the shot? that Joel Embiid hits, that Doc Rivers draws up last night, that for all intents and purposes ends the series between the Sixers and the Raptors. Great coaching, great execution, great shot. I mean, like Nick Nurse did everything you could do to win that game last night. Undermanned, did have changed defenses, trapped Embiid. Uh, Everything he did was absolutely what you need to do to win. And Doc 
runs a play that you would think would have been for Tobias Harris or Tyrese Maxey. Screening in off of two what I call Iverson cuts over the top that you got to chase Niang, you got to chase Maxey. He flips it, and he actually sets the screen for Joel Embiid. Great pass by Danny Green. We don't even talk about the pass, but that pass was right in his shooting pocket so he could turn and get behind the ball and knock that jumper down. But great play, great execution, uh, and a great finish without James Harden. And, you know, I heard Jay Will the other day. James Harden is not the player he was, but you still have to game plan for the play he, player he was. So when he's on the court, the game is easier for Tobias Harris. It is easier for Maxie. You're worried about if he's going to get downhill more powerfully, and then all of a sudden now Maxie's attacking a closeout. But Doc Rivers, just a great job, great pause. I loved how he ran down the sideline to get the timeout. Yeah. I thought he was going to ask Nick Nurse to call the timeout for him. <laughs> You're on the other side of the floor, the doctor and the nurse, the coaching <laughs> matchup here. Straight talk, wireless, no contract, no compromise. And and I guess this, the question I would then ask you about the Sixers, at the risk of projecting forward, the Heat are going to beat Atlanta, and Philly's up 3 nothing. Yeah. So it's one thing for the Sixers to look like this against an undermanned Toronto team. An entirely other thing against the one-seed Heat that look good on the offensive end right now and are great defensively. How do you see, when we get to that matchup, how, how do you see it for Embiid and company? I like the Heat. I like the Heat because what they do defensively, and they're showing they can score. They're not going through those droughts where they really get stuck offensively. they got more different guys that can put pressure on you. Guys that you can bring off the bench. Jimmy Butler's playing at, at a very high level offensively. But, you know, when you have Jimmy Butler, if you put him on Harden, you don't have to worry about help. So you can take away the next option. You can stay a little tighter to Max. You can stay a little tighter uh, on all those kickouts, maybe to Tobias Harris. And then Bama Tobio, late, late clock, you can switch all those ball screens, and he's going to keep the ball, the ball in front. The Heater is connected to a defensive team, as I've seen, besides maybe what Boston's doing right now. Those two teams, how, how connected they are defensively and how, how they absolutely have the ability and the flexibility to adjust and take away the other team's best player is so, so unique, especially in the Eastern Division. They're on the one seed and the two seed, and they are both up 2-0 in their series. I'd be remiss, since I have you here, I'm not asking you about Jay Wright. So the other enormous story yesterday, and I think it took a lot of people by surprise, Jay Wright announcing that he is stepping down and retiring. He's 60 years old. He's won two championships at Villanova. He is a member of the Basketball Hall of Fame. I know he's someone you're close to. What's your reaction to that? Sad day for college basketball. He's one of the great voices and leaders of college basketball. He's had unprecedented success, longevity, doing it the right way, doing it his way. He survived one and done by basically getting guys to buy into playing for guys that played before him. And their culture was as good or better than any in college basketball. Uh... I think it becomes harder to maintain a culture in the age of NIL and the transfer portal. That's just a fact. I'm not saying it's right or it's wrong. It's just a fact. What more does he have to accomplish? Olympic gold medal, two national championships, four Final Fours, Hall of Famer. Uh, he's exhausted. I mean, think about it. They went from a COVID year to the Olympics, which that Olympic experience, he said, was incredible, but the most exhausting coaching experience he ever had mm-hmm. to the Final Four. Uh, it's great that he can walk away on his own terms with good health. Uh, will he coach again? I don't know. I, I, I think he's very comfortable. One thing about Jay Wright, there's, nothing, there's not one ounce of fraud in him. Yeah, he's very comfortable in his own skin. Doesn't have to prove anything to anyone. He's very unlike the way he looks, candidly. Like yes. I, I've been around him a little. I don't know him nearly as well as you. But he's this ridiculously good-looking man who always looks, you know, was so sharp with the suits. But he's a regular guy when you talk he's to him. He's a Philly dude. He, he is. He's, he's, he, he, 
no two people look or no one person looks less like the way he acts than than he does. But let me just quickly ask you, I have to, because Kerry Kittles, yep, Villanova legend, that. was on KJM this morning and said that the Lakers, he's hearing the Lakers will back up a Brinks truck. <laughs> do you think he has any interest in coaching in the NBA? I don't think it has to do, uh, maybe, I, I can't imagine, I would never want to speak for Jay, but money's not going to be an issue. It's not like he hasn't made a ton of money over right. the last... I get it. years and less. So, I mean, but a Brinks it would be the nice cha- thing. Yeah, it's always nice to have a Brinks truck back up to your driveway, which is, is a very big driveway in front of a very big house right now. Right. Uh, but I, I think that Jay doesn't feel like he has to prove anything. Uh, right now, in this moment in time, I can't see that happening. And let's face it, you go to the Lakers, and all due respect to LeBron, you've got to deal, as good as LeBron is, you also got to deal with LeBron. Mm-hmm. Is it ever going to be your team? Uh, that, that's a question. Now, I, I, I think he's very comfortable with his decision. I think uh, he he can step away feeling good about it. And will he ever coach? I don't know. Maybe you know. You never say never. But I think he's really comfortable. Every every everything I've spoken to, I've talked to his assistant coaches today, uh, say that coach is in good place. His health is great. He just you know he's unplugging. Seth Greenberg, I can't tell you how much I appreciate great, you that was doing fun this. Today. Always Thank a pleasure to me. see you. Thank you. You know the free AutoZone Fix Finder service can help troubleshoot the likely cause of your pesky check engine light for free and help you save time and money down the road. Restrictions apply. Get in the zone with AutoZone. Up next, all my thoughts on the NBA playoffs, plus a monster NFL trade that could change absolutely everything. That's next. I'm Greeny, and this is ESPN Radio. Greeny, the podcast. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Let's take the NBA action again, the three games uh, from last night, and, and, and we'll just go through them in the order in which they were played and, and get to the bottom of what they mean, and we'll get the takes from the assembled members of the hashtag crew. Hembo's here, Nuno's here, Bubba's here. I'll start. Kevin Durant in the two games of this series against the Boston Celtics is shooting 13 of 41 from the floor. He has 12 turnovers and 8 assists. It's the first time in his 13-year career he has shot under 40% and committed 6 turnovers or more in consecutive games. That's regular season or playoffs. He's never had games back-to-back this bad. And so if you're going to ask me how do I explain it, I would give you three reasons why it is happening. The first is give credit where it is due. The Celtics are an outstanding defensive team. Their coach is a brilliant coach. I voted him second in my Coach of the Year voting. Kind of wish I'd voted him first now. Playoffs aren't supposed to count. They don't count towards that. 
But they, they are so connected defensively, and they're very good because they have so much length and strength. They don't have one skinny guy in that entire team. Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, all these defenders, they're all big and long and thick. I mean, they can be physical with Durant. They can stay with him in every way. Their plan is outstanding. So give all the credit in the world to the Celtics. That should not be dismissed or diminished. Having said it, Durant has to be better than this. Has to be. He has to find a way. The great ones do. I'm not saying he has to win this series, but he can't look like this. He's just too good. Historically speaking, go back and find me the player of his caliber that had an entire series that looked like this. You're not going to do it. Jordan found a way. Kobe found a way. LeBron found a way. They didn't always win, but they didn't go out like this. And that's who he is. Kevin Durant is that. He's in that discussion. He's in that strata. He's in that rarefied air. So he needs to find a way. And that leads me to my third reason, which is you cannot count on the coaching staff finding him a way. I don't believe the Nets are being coached. I don't understand what's going on out there. And maybe that's their own choosing. Katie and Kyrie made it pretty clear they didn't want to be coached, and they're not being coached. Because I don't see a single adjustment. I don't see a single play being run. I don't see them doing any of the things that were working early in that game as soon as Boston made an adjustment on the defensive end. I don't see them finding ways to get guys cutting to the basket and throwing up lobs when they get the doubles that come every now and again. I don't see any opportunities for Patty Mills and Seth Curry and all these guys, Drogic, all these guys who can shoot threes to spread the floor. They are playing right into the Celtics' hands. They have to this point done nothing that I can identify to adjust to what is being done. So if this is a chess match, and thus far, again, all the Celtics have really done, as dramatic as it has been, is hold serve. As the Nets go home, Steve Nash, it's your move. Or KD and Kyrie, if you're coaching this team, it's your move. But it is obviously not going to be as easy as just give the ball to those guys and let them find a way to win. Now, it almost worked in game one. They were one second away from this feeling completely different. But at the end of the day, they got outcoached in the final minute of that game, too, or out-executed, and I think outcoached. So to me, that is a major storyline in this series. Let me go to my VP of Basketball Insight, and that is hashtag Nuno. What is your number one takeaway on that Celtics? I don't – I can't figure out what's wrong with uh, KD, and it's kind of – and I know Stephen A. on Get Up said this morning that, like, if this continues, you can never have that conversation of is KD the – or he said he would never put KD as as the best player in the NBA at this point, right? Like, so it's just – there's something wrong. And I know the easy out is going to blame Steve Nash, but these have been these issues that we figured out. Like, when that game was going on yesterday, all I kept, th- kept thinking was last week you said – there's going to be a game, and you're going to look up and be like, Goran Dragic won them a game. Yep. And I thought yesterday was going to be that game. Yep. Like, they gave them everything. And then their stars, specifically Kevin Durant, yes, he had 27 points, but that's on the free – you know, he was – that was all on the free throw line, like, that – they would be able to carry them to that victory. And there's something seriously wrong with this team. I don't know what it is. Um, I'm afraid to speak out on Kevin Durant because he responds to everyone. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> so I'm being very careful. I don't know. It's just there's something wrong with him. I don't know if it's a, if a chemistry. And I thought about this. And Harden hasn't been great. 
but they needed Harden. Like yesterday was one of those games that I felt like they needed Harden. Well, I mean, the old Harden. <laughs> if, if if they had if they had James Harden when James Harden was James Harden, they would be winning this series for sure. Um, and the Simmons move is one that I think will long term be in their best interest. But right this week, it's not helping, obviously. Um, and and I, I mean, I agree with what you're saying. Look, we're going to do countdown NBA countdown from the floor at Barclays on Saturday night. And I mean, that's their season, the season. And on some level, the legacy is much too strong a word. But at least for the moment, what KD and Kyrie separately and together are in the NBA hangs in the balance, at least for the moment. Give me a quick take on it, Hembo, because I want to get you to the Sixers. I don't think legacy is too strong a word, because if, if LeBron James had gone 0 for 10 in the second half of a playoff game and his team blew a 17 point lead, we would talk about it 10 years later. So there's no obvious reason for me to believe that we shouldn't treat the same, uh, treat KD the same way. I mean, everyone says he's the best player in the world, right? I've not seen that. That's fair. And, and he just played the worst two games of his career. I think two games worse than LeBron has ever played. Like, we hold the 2011 NBA Finals against LeBron, obviously. At least he got to the Finals. This, these are the first two games of the playoffs, and he already has sea legs. I, you know what? i got to give you. I, I can't argue with that. Stephen A. said something similar with me on Get Up this morning. And I'm willing to say this. If he continues to play this way, the way that he has looked in games one and two of this series— I can never talk about him being the best player in the world again. This is some alarming stuff that we are witnessing. We are watching a Boston Celtics team get all up in them. I don't want to hear about the blitzing. I don't want to hear about the double teaming. I don't want to hear about any of this other stuff. That, that's Stephen A. putting it all on Durant, and I think that's fair. Hembo, I'm not going to argue with you. I think that's fair. Let me get to the next one here. Let me get to the, what the Bulls did last night. So the Bulls are a team, and, and anyone who knows me, if you've listened to me, for you know my connections in Chicago. I covered the Bulls for years. I'm married to a Chicago girl. I have a million friends there. So I have been very attuned to what the Bulls have done all year long. And the Bulls essentially went into this postseason being viewed, even by a lot of their own fans, not as Bulls, but as paper tigers. Mm. They were a team that couldn't beat a good team all year long. They fattened up their record against bad teams. They had a lot of injuries. And there were Bulls fans I know telling me, Greeny, the best thing that could happen to them would be to fall out of the playoffs. And Michael Wilbon said it great on TV this morning. This is why you don't do that. Not because they might win this series, even if they don't. But the invaluable experience for their players of playing these kind of games against the defending champions on the road and finding a way to win. And DeMar DeRozan has been a revelation what a season he's had. He has single-handedly kept the mid-range game in vogue in the National Basketball Association, and I thank him for it. And he had 41 last night. But the real story here is not that the Bulls stole a game on the road or even that they could easily have won both. They got a terrible call on a foul that should have been Giannis's sixth foul in game one of this series, or they could easily be up 2 nothing. But the story here is Chris Middleton being hurt. And you never want to see anybody get hurt. But Chris Middleton goes down, and, and Brian Windhorst on Get Up this morning said that that is generally a two- to four-week injury. Games three and four of this series will both be played in the next three days. So you have to factor the rest of the, This series is going to be decided by the Bulls against a Middleton-less Milwaukee Bucks team. And so, Bubba, I will come to you. 
And many of you may not know this, but uh, Bubba, before his career here in radio broadcasting, was a, an orthopedic surgeon. And so you worked on a lot of times performing, uh, you know, uh, procedures, uh, MCL and all that kind of stuff, which is what he has. So you can speak better than anybody to the idea that Middleton is not coming back. Is Chicago now going to win this series, Bubba? Oh, I think they're in the driver's seat for sure. I think that they're good to go. I mean, I remember a couple months ago when when you had the tease and we did the whole segment, you're like, I will tell you right now who the best player in the NBA is, and that was DeRozan because people didn't realize what he was doing. And now people, I think people are starting to see again how impressive he's been, and you add that with the Middleton, I think the Bulls are going to do this right here. We will see. that. that I don't know what to think. I do know these are going to be two very interesting games in Chicago. And what a thrill – to see that building getting that level of excitement. It feels like it's been a very long time. Obviously, we go back to Michael and Scotty in the late 90s, and then you had the D. Rose teams there before he got hurt that were really good. Chicago is a wonderful city for basketball. I mean, ingrained, obviously, by having gone through uh, the greatest dynasty that that we've seen in the sport since the 60s. And, um, And it is fun for me, just personally, I hope we get there. Like, we're doing Countdown from Brooklyn on this week. I really hope we get out to Chicago for a game with Countdown. We'll see if we're able to make it there. All right, I wanted to save time for um, the Embiid play last night and let Hembo chime in. Greeny with you, uh, presented by Progressive Insurance. Insurance for motorcycles, boats, and RVs. For protection on the road and on the water, see how much you can save at 1-800-PROGRESSIVE and Progressive.com. A lot of different angles to take on the Sixers' win in Toronto last night. The first of them is the much-maligned head coach. So Doc Rivers gets questioned left and right. Everyone in the world has him fired before the season even begins, including you, Mr. Hembo, because you are the typical Philly fan ready to fire slash fight anyone at any time. And he draws up a play that, you know, is going to live for a long time. And I think particularly ironic in that building in Toronto, where Kawhi hits that legendary shot in game seven, I understand the circumstances are totally different. But you picture Embiid crying after that happens, and now back in that building, he hits that shot last night to silence the crowd and win, essentially win the series. First and foremost, did Doc win you back over last night? Yes, what, what he did yesterday was remarkable. And I'm not sure there's another human being that has ever walked the face of planet Earth that stands seven foot tall <laughs> for whom you would call that play. Mm-hmm. That's a 25-footer, a turnaround three at the buzzer. Maybe Dirk. But the audacity to even call it is extraordinary from Doc, and I'm with you. That is, we, we saw the, the live exorc- uh, exorcism of a demon, because that, was, that moment against Kawhi and Toronto still lives in all of us. And so far, Joel Embiid's playoff career has been defined by, by that moment, and then has been defined by the Ben Simmons you know, passing up that dunk last year. Well, Joel finally got his moment, and it's one that we're going to play on his Hall of Fame reel over and over and over again. I love him. And look, whatever their um, – everything that, that did not go right for the Sixers in the playoffs in recent years I think can be attributed primarily to Ben Simmons. Mm-hmm. So to me, none of that stuck to Embiid. He's a wonderful player. He's a delightful person. You know, I, I love his whole – so I love him. And I know a lot of people are mad at me that I didn't vote for him for MVP. What can you do? I mean, to me, it was splitting hairs. I did vote for Jokic. Obviously, Embiid had his MVP moment last night. That said, Harden fouls out of the game. He still hasn't had a monster game in this. That Raptors aren't, they're they're not on the level of the top teams in the East anyway. And now they're playing banged up without Scotty Barnes. So sweeping this series 
will only accomplish so much. How do you feel about the potential of a second-round matchup with Miami? I feel pretty good because Tyrese Maxey has been such a pleasant surprise. And look, we all think Kevin Durant is sort of tagged the best player in the world. You mentioned Jokic won the MVP. But let me ask you a question, Greeny. Go. Who would you definitively take right now amongst all players in the playoff field over Joel Embiid? Because for my money, he is the best player playing at this present time, given how badly Kevin Durant has played, given that Steph Curry is coming off the injury. You can go down the line. Who is playing better than Joel Embiid right now? I would argue that he is the best player, at least remaining in the playoffs, given how he's playing at this very second. Well, that's an interesting. Well, let me th- go through some of the. I mean, people will say Giannis. Gian- Giannis has played well. He's not played great. I mean, that team could be down 2-0 at home to a team that we thought stunk, right? True. Yes. True. I mean, the Sixers' offense has been unbelievably efficient over the first three games of this series, and Joel Embiid is obviously the biggest reason why. I'm trying to think who else would even be in the conversation. Kyrie was unbelievable in game one, awful in game two. The Celtics have really done it with a great team effort. Mm-hmm. I'm just going through the series. Jimmy Butler had a monster game. No, I think that's fair. Is it? Embiid has been the best player in the playoffs so far. Now, it's very early. Sure. Matchups are what they are, all the rest of that. But that's fair. Let me ask Nuno to wrap it up on this part of it. Uh, Sixers, Heat, next round, collision course. Who will you like? I like, actually, the Heat. Um because you because, hate the Sixers well, and you no, hate everything well, about well, Philadelphia. No, no so it's not that. It's I just think that they have the guys that can take – Harden hasn't given you anything. I think they have the guys that can – you know, Bam's is going to be able to, you know, place defense to a, to a point or an extent against Embiid. You don't have to really double. I think they have guys on the perimeter that can – Guard a Maxi uh, can guard a Harden who who has struggled, and also by the way, you still have Doc Rivers as your head coach. Hembo, like you're oh, I'm sold on Doc. Like stop, that's so fraudulent. Like you will be, you'll <laughs> want him and, fired yes. next series. <laughs> exactly, Most ridiculous take next I've game. Ever heard. Yes. You'll want him fired game four after game four. Oh, don't get me wrong, Doc is very capable of blowing the first three zero lead in NBA history, but at least for today, I'm a Negadelphian. For today, I'm on his side. Harden shot 7 of 13 last night for anyone who didn't watch the game. Scored 19 points, had 10 assists, uh, and fouled out late in that game. So we'll see where it goes. All right, that was worth uh, the journey that it took us. We have not yet gotten to a monster NFL trade that may be on the verge of taking place. I will tell you exactly what it is and exactly what it'll mean. Greeny, the podcast. I want to take you through how these things happen. There was we, we were in our pre-show meeting of Get Up yesterday morning, so 6 a.m. Wednesday. I say to Jeff Darlington, my NFL insider, Jeff, what am I hearing about Debo Samuel possibly wanting to be traded? He has scrubbed his media, et cetera, et cetera. Jeff says to me, Greeny, I'll make some calls and see what I can find out, but, you know, it's obviously very early in the morning right now in San Francisco. I'm not sure who I will get a hold of. The answer turned out to be no one during the time that Get Up was on the air. And then as the day went on, I see Jeff Darlington tweeting, I just got off the phone with Debo Samuel and he's demanding a trade. (laughs) So we missed out on that one. Having said it, it is enormous. And our staff at GetUp did a very good job of compiling a list of teams that both have the draft capital and the cap space to go out and make a move for Debo Samuel. And the two most intriguing ones to me are the Jets and the Packers. Now, the Jets are not just intriguing in this because it is my team. 
But they are legitimately, I think, a team that makes a lot of sense. I'm going to give you a list of reasons why. The first is, look what Stefan Diggs did for Josh Allen. Now, I know that Zach Wilson, the Jets quarterback, is a year earlier in his development than Josh Allen was in Buffalo at the time they made that. When the, when the Bills went out and made the trade for Stefan Diggs, it was sort of a finishing touch to a quarterback who was clearly improving, but that's okay. Zach Wilson, I think there was cause for an SOS amongst the Jets organization and their fans. That was a scary first year for Zach Wilson. He looked totally overwhelmed. He looked like it was all much too fast for him and much too big for him. Going out and getting him the kind of security blanket that I think Debo Samuel is with the yards after the catch, with his team, all the different stuff he does on an offense, I think from the standpoint of helping develop the quarterback, even if they aren't quote-unquote Debo Samuel away from winning anything of consequence, I think it makes sense. They have the draft capital. They could trade the 10th pick in the draft right there. That's a spot that I think a lot of people are targeting them taking a receiver anyway. Would I rather have Debo Samuel even at $28 million a year than Drake London or you know Garrett Wilson? I think I would. And I just think he is that special of a player. And then I would add there's also the history both Robert Sala and Mike LaFleur, who are the head coach and offensive coordinator of the Jets, came from San Francisco. So to whatever degree they have a relationship with Debo Samuel, they have a relationship with Debo Samuel. So there are a lot of reasons why I would be very much in favor of this from a Jets standpoint. The Packers are another team that would make all the sense in the world to me because they are Debo Samuel away from winning the Super Bowl. The departure of Devontae Adams still shocks me. You're going year by year with Rodgers. I think you got to go all chips to the middle of the table. Now, would San Francisco even consider trading Debo Samuel to their rival, the Packers? Probably not. But if somehow, by hook or by crook, you're Green Bay and you could find a way to make that happen, those are the two that make the most sense to me. Hembo, what do you think? I buy your explanation on both counts. No, Debo Samuel does not make the Jets something substantially better than they are now. But I would argue the time to trade for him would be now because Zach Wilson is on a rookie contract and thus you can afford it. With how expensive wide receivers are now in the NFL, teams are obviously choosing, are we paying our quarterback or are we paying a number one wide receiver? You can't really have it both ways. The Jets are paying Zach Wilson next to nothing by quarterback standards, so they can't afford it. As it relates to the Packers, (laughs) I'm not sure there's ever been a player, at least not in the game today, who you're less eager to tackle in cold weather at Lambeau Field than that guy. We saw it in the playoffs. Right. I think he would be a awesome, an awesome fit in Green Bay. They have the draft capital to pull it off. And we've talked about, we, we've talked about this being you know, the last dance kind of thing. For, Debo Samuel can make as much a difference, if not more, than even if the Packers used both of those picks on a rookie wide receiver. Oh, absolutely. Um, to me... I don't think that happens because I don't think San Francisco trades him there. If you put Debo Samuel on the Packers right now, I think I make them the favorites in the NFC, based in particular on how much easier their division is than the Rams division or the Buccaneers division. I think I make them the favorite to win the NFC. You don't think the 49ers would trade Debo Samuel for 22 and 28? Well, I mean, 
generally speaking, teams in sports don't trade players like him to teams that are their rival. They're going to come in there and kick their butts in the playoffs, whatever it is. Although Tannenbaum said an interesting thing, and he's going to join me live in our next hour, so we'll hear it from him. The 49ers are in a fascinating spot. You want to talk about an inflection point. He said he thinks if they trade Debo Samuel, they will also let Jimmy G go and they will rebuild around Trey Lance. If they don't trade Debo Samuel, they will keep Jimmy G and they'll make another run. That means that what hangs in the balance for an NFL team in the next week is the difference between being a Super Bowl contender or rebuilding. That's a fascinating thing, right? I mean, what a, what a delta that is. And I don't think I'm rebuilding around it. You know, if I'm a team that was, whatever it was, a quarter away from being in the Super Bowl last year. But if you trade away Debo Samuel and you let Jimmy Garoppolo go, you, I get it. You kind of are. If, but if we have time later in the show today, I'm not sure he is not the best wide receiver in the NFL, given everything that he does. I want to go through that list uh, with you if we do have some time. But one of the things he does is he's their best running back. And some people think, because he won't tell you why he wants out of there, some people think that it's because he doesn't want to do that anymore. I don't know if he's the best receiver in the NFL if you don't have that element to his game. But I do love him. I love everything about him. So this is the one if the Jets could do it, I would be all in. We'll see. Big hour still on the way. ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio and see it with the video on ESPN+. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcast.